Great. Um, what I'd love to do is invite Tara up, uh, who's going to uh, be speaking to us this evening as we continue our, our series on Genesis and how do we live well in this new year. And um, Tara, can I pray for you? Is that right? That'd be amazing. Yeah, Heavenly Father, thank you for the word that you've uh, given Tara. Lord, thank you for her journey and your story in her. And Lord, I pray for each one of us this evening that you would open our ears and hearts to receive a word from you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so tonight we're going to carry on the Living Well series. And if you were here last week, you would have heard Lewis talk about um, commitment and covenant. So really the promises that we make to God to follow him. And tonight we're going to think a bit more about that. How we do that with perseverance. Given that pers- a dictionary definition of perseverance is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay. So that really sets the context of what we're going to be thinking about tonight. It's not about praising God when we're feeling brilliantly happy and we feel like it. It's not about following God when things are really good. It is about that as well. But it's really about how do we keep that promise to follow God when things get really difficult. I guess in a way it's about overcoming our emotions. And recently we've been singing that song, Your your praise will ever be on my lips. And I've been thinking, that's been challenging me. Is God's praise always on my lips, even when things are tough? So to think about perseverance, we're going to look at two stories tonight. They're both, they both involve injured hips. The first one comes from the Bible, um, and the second one comes from my own life. So the passage from the Bible that we're going to look at is in Genesis, when Jacob wrestles with God. But before we have a look at it, I'm just going to set the context of that story a bit. So firstly, what do we know about Jacob? So Jacob was a man of determination. In fact, some would consider him to be a bit ruthless, unethical even at times. Deep-seated family hostilities characterized his life. At times, he, he was a liar, a manipulator, a con artist. In fact, Jacob's name not only means deceiver, but actually more literally grabber. Jacob's life wasn't easy. It was one of never-ending struggles. Even though God had promised Jacob that through him would not only come one great nation, but a whole company of nations, Jacob was still a man full of fears and anxieties. And at the point we pick up this story, Jacob is preparing to meet his brother, Esau, who has vowed to kill Jacob. Jacob has fled Laban, where he has been living, because he has become fed up with the way his father-in-law has been treating him. However, in in fleeing, it's now become apparent that he's going to meet his brother. So fearing for his life, Jacob has concocted an elaborate bribe. He sent a caravan of his, both of his, his wives, his servants, and his children across the river Jabbok in hope of bribing his brother, in hope of pacifying him, and therefore avoiding death. So he's done that, and the plan is, his plan is that the next day he will go, hopefully finding his brother who's been pacified. So that night, he's alone in the desert, in the wilderness, sandwiched between his father-in-law behind him and his brother who wants to kill him in front of him. He's got no worldly possessions left, and he's facing likely death. And it's then that his real struggle seems to begin, because he ends up in a wrestling match with God. That night, an angelic stranger visits Jacob 
and they wrestle throughout the night until daybreak, at which point the stranger cripples Jacob with a blow to his hip that leaves him with a limp for the rest of his life. So let's have a look at the passage. Um, If you want to grab a Bible um, or follow it on your phone, it's Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 31. Okay, so starting at verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans, and overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, meaning face of God, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Now, I'm going to be really honest. When Lewis told me to look at that passage, um, I I really struggled with it, particularly because um, at the beginning of this year, uh, a couple of friends and I have started to look at um, Rick Warren's uh, Purpose Driven Life. And on the same day that Lewis sent over this passage, I listened to a a talk by Rick Warren, which was talking about really the road to peace being um, through complete surrender to God. And then on the same day, I read this passage about how Jacob had been blessed by wrestling with God. So how how could I reconcile those two ideas? But then the more I thought about it, the more kind of I could see in this story. And there's lots actually in here. There's the significance of Jacob seeing God face to face. And the significance of God changing Jacob's name to Israel after the wrestle. But tonight, I just want to think um, just just stick with the fact that, that God, uh, Jacob and God had this wrestle and what happened at the end of that. And as I thought more about this, I, f- I focused in on the fact that this wrestle between Jacob and God occurred at night time. It was when Jacob had finished executing his own plans, the ones that he'd created himself in his head and the ones that he's, he'd executed in his own strength. He'd sent his relatives, his possessions, his servants onto his brother. And all he was left with was the night time. And that's when the wrestle began. Now that really started to ring true to me. I don't know if anyone else can relate to that idea of really wrestling with something overnight. And so this leads me on to the second hip story. And it's about my dad and a a really major nighttime wrestle I had with God a couple of days before Christmas. And how in actual fact, reflecting um, on that episode, that story with my dad in the context of this passage now seems to make real sense. 
and how we may all have our own modern day versions of wrestling with God like Jacob. Now, I'm not saying that this, what happened with my dad over Christmas, is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And you will also um, have had difficult times. But it, it, it was, it certainly, for me, was an example of when I've wrestled with God. So if we just have a look at the first picture, I'm going to tell you about my dad. This is him. Um, and he's actually a pretty amazing example of perseverance himself, having faced a whole lifetime of illnesses and injury. I just thought I'd show the picture so that you can put um, a face to the name. His name is Michael, and he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, aged about 5 in 1949. Now, it was only 20 years before that 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 insulin had been invented. So he's, I don't know any statistics, but he's certainly in in the first kind of that generation of people to live with diabetes for 70 years, as he has now. But he's done it with a lot of health problems, and um, my sister and I spent a significant amount of time as children visiting him in hospital for various reasons. He's lived on his own since 1996, when my mum died, and he's registered blind. He's got one, one uh, false eye and a tiny line of vision in, in the right eye. He's got a whole range of complex health problems. He's fallen over because of his vision problems so many times in the last few years. If ever he has an x-ray, the doctors will remark on kind of old fractures that they can see, particularly in his ribs. And in October 2017, so about 18 months ago, a bit less, 15 months ago, he had a big fall. Um, He fell in his garden and he broke his left hip. He had to have um, major surgery the following day. And after that surgery, he had life-threatening complications. Um, and then spent the, the next three weeks in hospital and then went home. He was meant to be coming up to stay with us last uh, Christmas 2017 and couldn't because um, he was so unwell. And then really most of last year was pretty awful for him. He was shuffling around a little house on his own, very poor eyesight, struggling with his diabetes, walking with a frame. But actually, in the context of perseverance, he really persevered with the exercises he'd been given. And then finally, um, in, in August, he dumped his walking frame. But he had a difficult few months. Emotionally, he's very lonely. He's often isolated and with all these physical things going on as well. But he made it. And in August, he dumped the, um, the walking frame and he actually got to toast marshmallows for the first time in 74 years. Yep, second photo, there he is. Um, uh, mind blown by the fact that you can actually toast marshmallows outside. Um, so he, 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 had a, he, he was good by the, by the time he got to the summer. And then fast forward to Christmas, because it always seems to fast forward, doesn't it? Once you get to September, it suddenly becomes Christmas. Um, and the plan was he'd missed Christmas with us the year before, that he'd come up on Christmas Eve and spend a week going between my sister's house in Thames Ditton and my house in Teddington. We got to, to the, a few days before Christmas and I was feeling really bad. December had been so hectic with my work and things going on with my children that I hadn't seen him all month. I worked a night shift on Thursday the 20th of December, finished at 8am. My kids broke up from school that lunchtime. Time to breathe. I was going to have, for the first time in a long time being a nurse, I, I had uh, two weeks off over Christmas. And then we were meant to be picking him up on Christmas Eve. However, that Friday afternoon... His, he had a, uh, his sugars, his di- in terms of his diabetes, dropped suddenly, and he had another terrible fall, this time completely smashing the other hip. 
And um, I dashed off to Reading with my sister and we found an ambulance, two paramedic cars and the fire brigade who had had to um, force entry into the house. Um, and he was still lying on the floor um, at that point, happily, very happy on Entenox. Um He didn't remain that happy for, for very long. So my sister and I um, sorted out some practicalities, went to the hospital with him, um, and um, I spent a fair amount of time talking to the staff in the hospital about how awful his post-operative complications had been last year. Um, and finally, drove back to, to Teddington and went to bed. Now, just like Jacob, it was then that I started to wrestle with God. The year before when he'd broken his hip, we hadn't had any experience of broken hips and we were really kind of just, let's just get on with this. But having realized how awful last year had been, it just felt so cruel that this had happened again. I had done, like Jacob, I'd done everything that I could humanly think of. I'd, you know, I'd done all these practicalities. I talked to the doctors. He was going for surgery the next day and based on the complications that he'd had last year, we genu- I genuinely wondered if he would survive the, the surgery that he was going to have to have. If the surgery was so complex, they had to order some specialist kit in for him. And to be honest, a small part of me didn't know if I wanted him to survive that surgery. His quality of life had been so questionable last year that actually both potential outcomes of surviving the surgery or not seemed pretty awful that night. I'm not exactly sure what Jacob and God were wrestling about. I think if we look at the whole story, we might guess that it was Jacob bringing his fears, his sins, his fears, uh, his failures and his weaknesses and coming before God and facing God with them. I'll say more in a minute, but my wrestle centered on telling God how cruel I thought he'd been. Embarrassingly, I guess I was telling God that I knew better or that I had better plans. So that Friday night was a really long and painful night. I was emotionally and physically exhausted, hadn't had any annual leave since August, and I just felt so sad. My dad has been unwell all my life. I haven't known anything different. My mum was ill and then died. My sister and I have developed a very pragmatic approach to dealing with my dad's dramas. Crisis points just come along with no warning, and we do what we need to do. But this time it was really different. I just felt so sad for him and I was really emotional and I was surprised at how angry I felt with God. And I say surprised because um, in my job in children's palliative care, I've become so used to seeing terrible things and I'm not a stranger to to having um, to tragedy in my personal life. And I thought that I'd realized that getting angry with God and and, and getting angry about things that we're never going to understand in this lifetime doesn't bring us answers and actual, in actual fact can rob us of peace. But I couldn't help it. On this night, that was how I felt. And I really wrestled. I don't think I slept at all and I just kept repeating why questions to God. Why it would have been so easy for God to have stopped my dad's blood sugars from falling so quickly and so dangerously. And if he was going to fall, why couldn't God have just softened his fall? And if he had to hurt his hip, Why couldn't it have just been a simple dislocation like the first paramedic on scene had suspected? Why did this have to happen to him? Two two broken hips, one year apart, and he had spent so much time learning to walk again. Why couldn't God have just kept him safe for another 48 hours so that we could bring him up on Christmas Eve, so that he could have Christmas with his grandchildren? It sounds such a little thing, but for someone who has spent most of that year being so lonely, that's really significant. 
And so the night went on. It was long and emotional. And then morning came. And I would love to say that in the morning I felt better or that I'd had answers or that I'd heard God whisper to me in the quiet of the night. But the truth is I hadn't heard God and I felt worse. It was also the first day of the school holidays and I, like many other mums, was feeling the pressure of creating this perfect Christmas for my children. How was I going to do that? How was I going to split myself in two, be in Reading with my dad, who, was, who I knew would be in hospital for um, for a while, be in Teddington with my children, doing this perfect Christmas, and all I wanted to do was just crawl back into bed. But I set off for Reading that morning to spend the morning with my dad before he went to theatre, feeling terrible. And I remember really focusing on two words. I kept telling God that I felt like my heart was broken and that I felt lonely. I started listening to worship music, thinking back to that song, my praise will ever be on your lips, uh, my lips. And thinking, you know, okay, I sing this and now's the time to do it. I was praising God despite how I was feeling because I didn't really know what else to do. I kind of thought that telling God how cross I was was actually boring me now and I wasn't feeling any better. And still, I felt rubbish, so I decided that if I couldn't make myself feel any better, and God seemed to be very quiet and not doing anything about that, I'd have to rely on what I knew to be true. That day was going to have to be a head-over-heart day. And so, like Jacob holding on to God, I decided that I had to hold on to God's promises and the instructions he's given us. And I'm going to read five of them now. the the five that I really focused on that that day and over that that period. And as I read them, you know, if you think, if you can relate to any of this, that you're going through a wrestle in the night time, just listen to these and know that they are for you too. The first one, God is good and worthy of our praise. 1 Chronicles 16 verse 34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. So it doesn't say give thanks to the Lord when things are good. It says give thanks to the Lord because he is good. And he is always loving and kind. Number two, God works all things together for good. Romans 8 verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Number three, God has perfect plans Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Number four, God promises that in heaven there will be no suffering or tears. Revelation 21, verse 4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And the last one, more of an instruction than a promise. God tells us to give thanks in all circumstances, not just when we feel like it. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So there was my wrestle, my wrestle all night. And then in the morning, I was holding on to God and his promises. Now, whilst Jacob and my dad in these stories both ended up with dodgy hips, my hips were fine, um, but I was definitely emotionally wounded through this. But then remember what happens in the story of Jacob. He refuses to let go of the angel 
until he has been blessed. Again, I'd love to report that as a result of me holding on to God's promises, my dad was miraculously healed and went home dancing and skipping, but that's not what happened. But I do think we were massively blessed. Firstly, at church the following morning, I came forward for prayer and the person praying for me didn't stop to ask what I wanted prayer for, but launched straight in, which I think is really brave. And she said, God sees your heart, your broken heart and your loneliness. The exact two words that I had used and that I had been repeating to God. God, should, God showed me that he'd seen. He knew what was going on. And he mirrored back to me how I was feeling. Secondly, my dad stayed in hospital for nearly three weeks. Um, he's been home about a week now. But during that time, um, I visited him most days. And I can honestly say the times I had with him in hospital over this Christmas were the best quality time I've had with him since I was very young. So I hadn't mentioned earlier, but in the past, my dad and I have had a really um, far from easy relationship. So I decided that this Christmas was going to be different. We would still make memories. And so on Christmas morning, my sister and I piled into my dad's hospital room with our children and our husbands. We took crackers. We wore party hats. We opened presents. We gave gin and tonics to all the staff after their shift. Only a nurse would do that. And we stayed with him while, we, while he had his turkey. There we are. So he looks pretty happy there. So my dad, whose story, um, his own story of perseverance, I think, is a pretty mighty one on its own. He definitely seemed to be blessed with a happy Christmas, despite being in hospital and being in considerable um, physical pain. We ended up eating our lunch ridiculously late, and um, uh, our children in our, in our family aren't allowed to open their presents on Christmas Day till they've had their lunch. So, um, so they didn't open their presents until 6 o'clock. But guess what? When my husband put them to bed, they all said that was the best Christmas day ever. And you know what? I haven't enjoyed Christmas day that much in a long time either. So I may have not had the blessings that I was expecting or that I was looking for. But just like Jacob, I too was blessed. The Bible tells us in many places that our lives are not going to be easy. But God does make us many promises that can help us persevere. I don't know about you, but I also seem to have an unending knack of making life even harder for myself. I ignore God's, God's advice at times. I have a tendency to seek happiness rather than seek God. I have a tendency to start to try and solve problems on my own, to struggle on in my own strength, sometimes thinking that I know better. But what I have learned is that persevering in our walk with Jesus can involve wrestling with him at times. But that through that, we can hold on and lean into his promises. We need to ask God for wisdom to help us to know when to wrestle, when to surrender, and how and what to hold on to. I think we also need to be open to looking for his blessing, even if that blessing isn't what we expect or even hope it will be. And I know I said earlier that we haven't got time to go into the significance of God changing Jacob's name to Israel, but I would just add at this point that I think our identity changes a bit after a wrestle like that with God. That when we lean into him like that, when we see him face to face, and we, then we can be changed, maybe to become a little bit more like him. Tonight, I want to encourage you to keep persevering whatever you're facing in your life. Let us focus tonight on seeking God, holding on to his promises, and surrendering to his will and his perfect plans. If tonight you feel like you're wrestling something in the middle of the night, the morning will come. And remember, 
The night is darkest before the morning light. Just keep holding on until dawn. I just want to show you, before we finish, just one more photo. It's a, it's a picture of a sculpture by Jacob Epstein. And the sculpture depicts Jacob wrestling with the angel. But if you look, look at it, does it not look more like an embrace than a fight? When I think back to my night of wrestling, thinking that I was holding on to Jesus, of course, Jesus was holding on to me tighter. And there will be more long, dark nights, literally and metaphorically, for me and for all of us. But just look at this photo and just know that God won't let you go. Before I hand back to Lewis, I'm just going to um, finish by reading this well-known prayer. It's the serenity prayer. Let's pray. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can. And wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time. Enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Taking as he did this sinful world. As it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. Great. Why don't we, um, why don't we stand together? Um, I'm going to invite the, the band up as well. Um, what I'd, what I'd love, uh, love for us to do to, to finish this evening is, um, we're, we're gonna sing a, a single song of worship to finish. And, um, and tonight, if you, if you've come here this evening, and as Tara's just been so powerfully saying about, about wrestling, if you've come this evening and you've just been wrestling with God in this season, that there's uh, situations in your life that just doesn't seem to, to have any breakthrough and you're just coming this evening tired of the wrestle, um, God, I think, really, really wants to pour out his father's heart over you, that he's a good God, that he's a faithful God, and that he's a God that does embrace us in that wrestling. Um, and so what we're going to do is we, we're going to finish with a, with a final song of worship. Um, but if you know that's you, um, during the worship, and we're all stood together and we're all worshipping together, so um, to be bold is to, is to come forward um, to the front or to the sides um, and to join in with the worship. As, as Tara's just been powerfully saying, his praise will be on our lips. And as we praise, worship is warfare. Uh, that actually as we worship him, that God is going to be with us in that wrestling. And as you come forward and whilst you're worshipping, um, there'll, uh, there'll be people that would love to come and pray for you. Um, so it's just taking that step. If you want to come to the front, start worshipping and uh, people will gather around you and, and just support you as you, uh, as you encounter God. So um, let me pray and we'll worship together. Father, thank you for your love. Lord, thank you for your presence here. Lord, thank you for the words that Tara has spoken, Lord. And tonight we thank you that you are with us and you are for us. Nothing can stand against us. And Lord, for those of us that are wrestling with you, Lord, would you come and show us your love now as we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.